All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back to The Gregor Show on Sports 1440 Live on Orders Nation YouTube. How you doing? Hope you're having uh, big plans for the weekend. Remember, it's a matinee game tomorrow, 2 o'clock Edmonton time, where they face off against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, then they will roll into uh, Florida Monday, Carolina on Wednesday, and Washington uh, next Friday, also an afternoon game, because it is uh, Black Friday in the U.S. So, Oilers uh, fans, hey, might be taking an extended lunch break, potentially. I tell your boss you want to have like a, an internal meeting with the boss. Say, but I'd like to go out and, hey, you know what? Maybe we'll go to the brew house. All of a sudden, get boss like, oh, there's no other game? Yeah, I didn't know that. Hey, extend your, extend your meeting. There you go. Subtle. Very subtle. Let's get to our big guest of the day, brought to you by the Spruce Grove Saints. Exciting AJHL action tonight and tomorrow night down at the Grant Fuhr Arena. Get your tickets at sprucegrovesaints.ca. 7 o'clock puck drop uh, tonight against Canmore, tomorrow night against Brooks. Brooks, always a big draw, so check it out. SpruceGroveSaints.ca. Of course, you can get your tickets at the door. Uh, two-time uh, medal- gold medalist, Lori Ann Munzer, of course. Uh, she is the uh, Monday co-host on the uh, Kevin Carrier Show here on Sports 1440. Joins us every Friday at uh, 3 o'clock. And uh, Lori Ann, uh, because, you know, outside of being an athlete, now you're, you know, you coach a lot of different athletes, right? Um, what would be... So, and I, what would be like the proper, like, not, is it personal coach? Like, what, what would you deem it as? Like, what would be the proper terminology? 
what I'm called and what I call myself yeah. is a mindset coach and okay. a thinking coach. Okay. Okay. So then that's very good. I want to get that word out there because I think it fits in our, many of the listeners are like, okay, you watch Jack, Jack Campbell play. He's in the NHL. Now he's in the American league and he's really struggled. Even the American league, his struggles actually seem to be getting worse in the American league. Like there's pucks that are literally going right through him. And so now I know he, he got a, you know, like a, a mindset coach, or, you know, according to Kevin Woodley uh, this summer, uh, because he's a guy who's historically been very hard on himself. Like after games, he would lose and it was always his fault. Right. And and you can respect that to a point. But then sometimes like, hey, man, not every goal is stoppable. Even if you want to say it, it isn't stoppable. So what would be like the first step in the process of trying to get an athlete to not be so hard on themselves? Well, I think one of the most important things is to have a picture what is it that you do? I mean, anybody that I talk to, one of the first questions you're going to hear me say is, so, Jason, what do you want to do? Right? Okay, yeah, yeah. And goals are pictures. Whether or not they're crystal clear or they're foggy or it's complete blackout is a whole other story. Number one, you got to get crystal clear on what it is that you want to do. If you're in a slump and you're starting the season, you're midway through the season, you're at the end of the season – there's a number of different factors, right? How hard are you on yourself? Where is your mindset? Is it there all the time? Are you able to get out of it? If you're not able to get out of it, um, sometimes you just got to totally step away. And, and, you know, I was thinking about Jack today because I'm going, my God, this is like deja vu for me when I was in Switzerland in 03. I went to what I thought was cycling heaven. So that could be his NHL Oilers. And I got overtrained. I got injured. My times were the slowest I had ever done. I was like, my whole season was abysmal. And one of the best things that I did was I actually stepped off and I got out and I took three months off. Mm. And what I did was I went back to the drawing board. So either we can keep going yep. or you can go, look, Take a time out, whether it's a week, two weeks, three weeks. I don't know what kind of a schedule he's on. I don't know what his prerequisites for, for playing. I know as a goalie, there's a lot riding on you. Yeah. And if a goal goes in, you win, you're a hero. You let the goal in and you lose the game, there's just everybody jumps on the bandwagon and there's criticism, whether it's right, whether it's wrong. The other component that I work with athletes is on what we call self-image. Okay. How do you see yourself? How do you want to perform? If I'm going to the Olympics, I have to have that champion mindset, be it, act it, talk it, walk it all the time. If I'm doing a national championship leading up to the Olympics, and we talked about this another Friday, is I'm still trialing that mindset at the national championship so that when I get to the Olympics, I'm already there. And you never, ever take your foot off the gas. But the question is, there could be other uh, other factors out there affecting the game, personal, family, uh, maybe there's health stuff. I don't know. Well, you look at it, and it was interesting you mentioned you took uh, three months off. I, I'd, I'd be fascinated if in any... Now, we have seen some players... Um, you know, they, they take an extended absence from an organization. Yep. Um, it's probably a little bit more common now than I ever recall being before, but it's still, you have to have an organization that's, that's open to it. Number one, that says, okay, Absolutely. you know what? 
I understand why you're doing this. We'll support you. Here we go. Because if you look at it for now for Jack Campbell, like I'm not sure it can get any worse. Like if you watch the goals that went in his last few games in Calgary, you're just like, oh my goodness. Like it's not unlucky. Like the goals are literally ones that are, that should be regular routine saves are literally going right to him on the short side, on the ice, just inside the goal post. You're like, like this guy has enough talent. He should be able to like just on a pure talent level. That's a save that. 99% of pro goalies would make 99.9% of the time. Yep. So, um, like, that's fascinating to me to think, you know, you would take a... So when you t- when you take time away, because I think I know for, for young athletes, one of the biggest challenges is when they're training and they want to get to the next level is they're like, well, I can't take a day off. If I take a day off, I'm oh, you're falling behind. Yep. But the truth is, by taking a day off, it allows your body to rest and you can actually get further ahead. So when you took yep. three months off, how hard was it to actually not do anything physically? I wasn't, like, I didn't stop training. I just didn't race. I still rode my bike, but I went and did everything else I hadn't done. Okay. I became a social butterfly. I went to parties. I went out to, you know, Sidetrack Cafe when that was here. Um, I went and I did a bunch of fun things. I connected with friends on a regular basis Mm -hmm. because that was my lifeline and I knew that component was missing but also to the season not to Jack's favor here my season was over it it ended like in May and I said okay I'm done totally got away from it if I rode my bike it was just for fun I did not do any track so I was not in the arena and I went and I got my head reset. And sometimes you got to take a reset. But like you were saying... So was, when, when you... Sorry to interrupt. When you got your head reset, it wasn't because you went necessarily and went and spoke to anybody. It was just... No. I stopped stressing out about thinking, eating, breathing Cycling. my sport. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. And I took off every pressure that I had. It was like, look, my season is done. Typically, I take a three-week vacation where I don't do... Cycling. I don't do any sports. I do everything else. I'll go hiking. I'll go swimming. Everything I did not do. I'll take a vacation. You can't do that mid-season mm-hmm. because that's just not the way you do it. But the thing is, sometimes you do have to say, look, I, I need a leave of absence. I got to go, you know, deal with some situations or, you know what, I just got to take a step away. So if Jack was your client and you've worked with professional athletes and he was in and he so he's in, you know, he's in hockey where so you're going to have to go ask for a leave of absence. Let's hypothetically say they granted him a leave of absence. Mm -hmm. What would you recommend he does during the leave of absence? Number one, create the self-image of the man, the goalie, the athlete, the professional, the champion that he wants to become, that he wants to be. Okay, that's where I would start, because that is is huge. Number two. And it, it's it's not one or the other because they both go hand in hand is what's your goal? Like, do you want to play NHL? Do you want this? Do you want to get out of the trough? Like, what is it that you want to do? Because the two of them will go hand in hand. Your self-image, you can only go as far as you see you are. So if, if like, oh, I was a perfectionist, like bad perfectionist. And yeah, I would go really hard on myself, especially if I didn't if I didn't win, if I lost a race, if I didn't move into the next round. And it's like, okay, what do you need to do? Like when you're on your game, what are you doing? When stuff goes sideways, what have you done in the past that worked? And it's about bringing a number of those elements, but it's also 
the number one thing physically that we did was I went back to the basics. What are the things that made me fast? What are the things that made me successful? And did I have a plan? I had a plan when I took three months off. I was going out to party. I was going out to play. I was going out to movies. I was going out to music. And I was hanging out with friends. So now I've had a few people tell me that Watching a, a few goalie guys watching, they feel that right now Jack Campbell. One of the issues, maybe outside of the you know his mindset, is that they're not sure he's strong enough to push off to the level that you need to to be successful as a goalie. So let's say hypothetically that's true. It's almost impossible to repair that during a season, isn't it? Because most of your best training comes repetitive for weeks, weeks, and you build up and you build up. So. Yep. If that was the issue, and, and so the, the person, you know what, maybe goalie coach, somebody in the organization says, man, like, you got to get stronger, right? Could that be just a starting point and say, okay, you know what, we're going to go into a month long, you know, get your body up to the strength where you can do that stuff? Because maybe that in itself, because if you don't feel confident, because I'm sure you knew at times when you were capable of winning physically, Absolutely. And then when some races you knew, even if you had your best race, for whatever reason, physically you weren't there. Right, you probably the elite level athletes I think have a pretty good feel of where they're. Maybe you have a nurse, a minor little injury or whatever it is, or maybe you didn't train as well as you should. For the most part, you would know. So, but it's more mindset, Jason. Yeah, it is. It is. Okay. Even physically, like the guys coming into the game, they're going to be pretty close. There's going to be some that are maybe not as strong, as powerful, or as big as some of the top guys. But it's it, it's the mental aspect. They say, and I totally agree with this, you're the problem and you're the solution. Yeah. And the one thing that will make the game change is the decision you make. Am I in or am I out? And you cannot be in the middle. And as soon as you start waffling, that's when, you're, that's when your game goes in the tank. Uh, Lorianne Munzer uh, joins us here on Sports 1440. Um, as a coach in your, let's say, you know, you interview a client and now you have the client. I would think not every coach is going to be a good fit for a client and not every client is going to be a good fit for the coach. Agreed. How would you know as a mental coach, it's not a good relationship? Number one, maybe the work's not being done. Number two, there's that niggling feeling of, do you believe what I'm saying? What you're going to do? Because it doesn't matter what I think of you. The only thing that matters is what you think of you. Right. And that's a huge confidence factor. And what do you want to do? So many people, I see so many athletes, I'm playing for this person or I'm playing for this person. Okay, if they're not around, then what do you do? There's, there's always going to be one person that like is just sticks in your mind that is there maybe in the voice in your ha- head that says, you know what, you can do it. You, you've got it. You've got to dig and you've got to go and break things down into your mind, into small chunks and go out and execute them. You've done the drills thousands of times. And I know Jack has. I know he has. The question is, what's all the other noise, the, all the other junk? What about, and I think that's very fair, at what point is there ever where the, maybe physically you just aren't capable of it anymore for whatever reason? Yep. Right? How do you know that as an athlete? And and if if you see that as a coach, 
do you have to tell your client? Ooh, that's a good question. As an athlete, if you see the numbers, you've got certain numbers, whether it's like bench press, leg press, yeah. watt tests. You know what? Your numbers don't lie. Sure. You got to make your your decision. If you can't make this decision, then you know what? It's the decision of the coach. Yeah. And often that will happen in pro sports. Hey, you know, it got sent to the minors. It wasn't a decision that he wanted. But it's a partnership. Yeah. That's what I think. Between the coach and the athlete, yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just like when you see where it's at now, like there there is not going to be just like a one day snap his fingers and suddenly Jack Campbell starts coming back. Like this is a long turnaround. Is is that a fair assessment? Nope. No, you think it could it could be just like that? Really? I see it all the time. Absolutely. Like somebody who's struggling this much? Yep. We wow. take a timeout. We reset. This is where I work one on one, and it's like all right. You have a decision to make. Either you're in or you're out. But even if he's in. Then it becomes a question. The next one is, so what are we going to do? Not you, but what are we going to do? Okay. So you've got the roadmap, Mm -hmm. but you're in charge of the execution. You're also in charge of designing it. Because if something isn't working, how how old is Jack? He is. 33? Ooh, I don't even know if he's that old. I thought he was 29, but yeah, I'll look it up. Maybe you're right. Maybe he's 33. I don't know. Late 20s? 31. We're right in the middle. Oh, I was close. I was close. He's been doing this for so long. It's like you've got to contribute. If something isn't working, it's got to be a dialogue. And then let's figure it out. Figure out the way. I'm I'm kind of fascinated to see just, you know, where, like the easy thing is people say, well, just buy it out because then it's kind of, you know, problem solved. I'll, although it's not really problem solved because now the order's got more dead cap space and it can't, like the Edmonton orders, I believe there is a massive investment for them to at least try everything over the next four months to try to salvage Jack Campbell. Now, maybe he's not salvageable as a starting goaltender and people will say at five million bucks, he'll never be a $5 million goalie. That's, that's possible. I don't know the answer to that. So as an organization, mm-hmm. what would be the three most important steps that they need to do to show the athlete that they support him? And in what way can they? What are the three things to show Jack they yeah. support him? Yeah. Number one, what do you need? Not what everybody else thinks he needs, but what do you need? And then let's go do it. Make it happen. You only need those two things. Because Jack's the only one who knows what he needs. Yeah, that's fair. If he's not aware of it, because the problem is sometimes we're not aware of what we're doing. Yeah. We talked about that videos don't lie in, in training, like pull out the camcorder, pull out yeah. the video, right? Sometimes you don't know what you don't know. So it's like, okay, then what is it that you need? Follow your intuition, your gut instinct, and go, what do you need to make this work? Let's table that and let's go do it. It's going to be very interesting to see uh, what happens here over the next few months with Jack Campbell. Great stuff, Lorianne. We appreciate it. Uh, we'll listen to you and Kevin Carey some Monday morning. Thanks very much. That is uh, Lori Ann Munzer, Olympic gold medalist. Uh, we'll return. Dave Nader will join us. The Elks for sale. Ooh, we'll discuss next on the Jason Greger Show on Sports 1440 Live and Orders Nation YouTube. Rolling through positive Friday. Sports 1440, Jason Greger, Connor Halley with you. We're having yourselves a, an awesome day. 
Big plans for the weekend. It is Grey Cup. What are you doing for a Grey Cup party? Oof, nachos, baby. It's a tradition. I love the nachos. No onions, though. Gross. Nachos, chicken, lots of cheese. Oof. Some good guac. I use uh, uh, sour cream. It's amazing. So good. Can't wait. Can't wait. Actually, sometimes, you know what? I don't even use sour cream. We just use uh, Greek yogurt. Basically, it's the same. It's a little bit better for you than sour cream. So it's a little tip there for your nachos. Just a tip. Uh, Let's get to the uh, Greg Cup Report now, brought to you by Legacy Heating and Cooling. Home of the no payments, no interest for one year. Stay warm all winter. You get a furnace, no payments for one year at LegacyHeating.com. As we are joined now by uh, Dave Naylor from uh, CFL on TSN. And uh, Dave, uh, interesting. We'll get to the Grey Cup in a second, but... um, I had mentioned this over a year ago. I thought when I look at the BC Lions and some other teams, I thought, hey, I wonder if private ownership is a realistic option for the Edmonton Elks organization. Um, what do you make of that? Uh, you know, obviously there'd have to be a buyer first off. I'm not sure there necessarily is one, but uh, how open do you think the league would be to having the uh, Elks become a private organization? My understanding at the league level is I don't think they would face much opposition to that. And I I think, you know, I think Randy Ambrosi, the commissioner in his address, this came up when it was uh, during the state of the league address on Tuesday. And and, uh, Randy Ambrosi gave what I think was a very appropriate and truthful answer. He said, we would support whatever Edmontonians decide is the right model of ownership for that franchise. And to me, that meant if they decide to go down the road to private ownership, we will not stand in their way. Okay. And uh, and I, that, that's that is what I believe is the league's perspective on this. And, and I and I do believe that they are going to explain. We reported this back in August, you know, when there were some when there were changes at the presidential level, that among the things that were going to be on the Edmonton Elks uh, agenda and look, the crowds last year weren't hard to see. And, you you know, you, you can do the math. Right. And, and that it's not a situation. One of the limitations of public ownership is that when you get into a situation like the Elks are in, uh, you don't have somebody who can just stroke a check and say, well, we're going to invest our way out of this thing because the money is not there. At a certain point, at least the money's not there. And my, my understanding is that's going to be the issue for the Alps, which is why they're going to have to have a conversation about ownership. And and I think there's going to be an exploration of, of all the options. And this is very similar to what we talked about in August. There's going to be an exploration of continuing on with the community ownership model. I think there's going to be an exploration of, of private ownership, both in terms of you know multiple owners, group ownership, or, or maybe even a single individual. So um, I, I don't think there's a necessarily an agenda here, but I do think there is going to be uh, an exploration and not necessarily tied to, you know, how, you know, how do we make sure that this team stays community ownership? I don't think that's going to be the agenda in the offseason in Edmonton. Yeah. Uh, well, I look at the, uh, the offseason Edmonton, uh, Dave, and I'm just I'm not sure, considering how much money they've lost lately, that they have the finances or the wherewithal as the board to say, well, now we're going to get rid of Chris Jones. Yeah, the, the CFL will waive the um the, you know, the penalty as far as the, you know, the, the management salary cap, but we still got to pay him and we'd have to pay him for two years, then plus pay the replacement DC replacement head coach and the replacement GM. That's a lot. Like maybe they've got an appetite for it, but I'm not sure they do. Do you? Uh, well, I'll correct you on one bit of it. My understanding uh, as Chris Jones's contract is, is written, the termination language in it is that they, even though there are two years remaining on it, I believe they would only have to pay him out for one. That okay. is that is my understanding. Again, this is something we reported back uh, several months ago. But that point aside, 
Well, that, that's that's one of the issues, right? And 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 because whether you you know the league may bring in another mulligan so that teams can erase terms left on contracts of fired coaches from the books, uh, so they're not going to have that punitive nature to uh, element to it, which the Elks have run into some problems with. But real dollars are real dollars, <laughs> whether whether they're erased from the books on the on the punitive side, and you still got to pay them out. And so I, I think I don't know. I think that's a consideration. I mean, it's very. It, and the thing is, that's odd is this: is that you know. Going back not that long, I mean, some people used to refer to the the Edmonton franchise as the Yankees, you know, because <laughs> they they had this giant war chest, you yeah. know, and they could just kind of reach back and and do whatever they needed financially, especially in the era before uh, the true implementation implementation of the salary cap. I mean, the, there was an era where the CFL had a salary cap, but not really, you know, and and that, and that those days I think are you know behind us. So. You know, it's not that long ago that people looked at this team as having an enormous economic advantage, and all of a sudden they've been at an economic disadvantage. And and again, when you're talking about revisiting the ownership model, this is not an option. This is a necessity to get this team to where it needs to be. And you know, I, I don't. I want to just be careful where, I, where I'm taking this conversation. I don't think the Edmonton Elks are in any danger of going out of existence. No, yeah, I don't. No. I don't. I, yeah. That's not what we're talking about. Yes, I what agree. we're talking about is an examination of what is the best ownership model for this team to go into the future in in the this modern era of the Canadian Football League. And I think that involves all kinds of different things that they have to look at and try to say, you know, what is the and, you, and you've got examples of both, right? You've got right now you've got six teams in the league that are in private ownership and and you and you've got a public but, but the gold standard team in the league right now is a public ownership team the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and yeah. you know if i was to say that the kind of downside of, of public ownership is it seems it can seem to really ebb and flow with the quality of your board you know at, that's and i and i'm not trying to besmirch the board in edmonton right now and i know the board turns over so when people talk about the board it's not the same board today that there was 4 years ago and things like that but you know even just from the winnipeg example i think i think that's part of you know part of what you're kind of at the mercy of when you when you have the community ownership model Dave Naylor joins us on uh, Sports 1440. So it will be something to uh, watch for. What's your gut tell you on Chris Jones, Dave? So if they have just a a one year, do you think they have an appetite to bite the bullet and pay him out for one year? It is my belief that Chris Jones will be the head coach of the Edmonton Elks next season, and he will be in place. And I I don't know what they might do around him football-wise. I think that's going to be an interesting situation to watch because, um, you know, a coach, a, a whole management team and coaching staff, uh, is, is not just about one person. It's about, yeah. you know, a, a multiple piece. It's like putting a puzzle together. And yeah. I think if you, you don't have to have too many conversations around the Canadian Football League to hear what people say about the situation in Edmonton where they think Chris has just got too much on his plate. Yeah. And everybody understands why that happened. It was a function of this whole football operations cap, you know, because you're paying Brock Sunderland, because you're paying Jamie, Jamie Elizondo. And if you're willing to bite those bullets, you're really going to restrict yourself. Chris, I don't want to say he got the job because he could do both jobs, but let's just say that was a massive advantage for him going in there. But you know, there's a lot of people right now who look at the teams in the league around the league right now where, where you've got people doing both. And those aren't necessarily the most successful teams in the league. I mean, Winnipeg being probably the greatest example where you've got, you know, a GM and two strong assistant GMs and a head coach. It's not it's not all consolidated under one guy. No. Um, so so I, I think, again, I, I think the, the kind of one a story in Edmonton for me this offseason, besides you know, dealing with the ownership is what do they do with their football operations side? Is it going to be Chris Jones, uh, you know, exclusively as the head coach and GM, or are they going to bring other people around him? Um, how do they, how do they get the best out of Chris Jones 
that's that's really the answer. I think the Edmonton Elks organization has to ask themselves this offseason when they're trying to figure out what they're going to do with football operations. But I believe certainly in some significant capacity, Chris Jones will be in Edmonton on the opening week next year. So now let's move to the game. Uh, the Montreal Alouettes, full marks, man. Uh, their defense, uh, they dominated against uh, Toronto. Uh, arguably, you know, uh, the M- the MOP had his worst game of the season at the most important time. That's you know, you throw four interceptions. It's just not the it's not the game Chad Kelly envisioned having for sure. Uh, the Bombers four straight trips to this to the uh, to the Great Cup. You just don't see. I don't see any league. You don't see it very often. Um, to me, they're the clear favorite. I don't see Zach Caleros melting down, and no offense uh, to the MOP. I just don't see that happening. If Montreal's pulling off the upset, Dave, what has to happen? What do you see as their best chance to pull off the upset? Turnovers in plus territory. Like that, here, here's how Montreal wins this game. One, it stays a low-scoring game. I think if it's a shootout, you know, they're not going to be able to keep out keep up with Winnipeg. Okay. And I think they've got to find themselves on some short fields. Cody Fajardo is not going to leave this offense on 105-yard drives very often, okay? okay? But if they get, you know, if if Winnipeg turns the ball over on their own 19, you know, and Winnipeg, and Montreal can cash that in. If they get a big return like they did last week, which was really the dagger in the third quarter against the Argos, and we're talking about a low-scoring game, that's where Montreal can win this game. And, I, and I, again, I think it's a clean football game, just exchanging possessions, and there's no turnovers, and no teams racking up a bunch of penalties. Winnipeg wins. But you look at what Winnipeg's, what Montreal, excuse me, has done the last two weeks, right? First drive of the game, Hamilton's marching, 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 boom, turnover. And it's like they never really recover from it. Well, what happened the very next week? I mean, I'm standing at the concourse level at BMO Field watching Chad Kelly drive the offense down the field, and it's just slice, 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 slice. And I'm thinking to myself, you know what? This isn't going to be a very good game. This is going to be a blowout. It's going to be a wild party for the people in the stands, but no one's going to say it was a great football game. And then, bang, you know, Marc-Antoine Ducroix steps in front, catch the ball, 106-yard touchdown return, and the Argos never recovered. So, that kind of punch in the mouth element that Montreal's defense can deliver. They've done it. It's almost like if you think of a boxing analogy, you know, you're in the first round and the guy who's the favorite takes one right on the chin. That's what they've done two weeks in a row. And I'll be interested just, you know, for the way it's played out to see what happens on Winnipeg's first possession in this game. They don't necessarily have to do it on the first possession, but that's the game script that I believe can lead to a Winnipeg victory or excuse me, a Montreal victory. Um, any names to watch for Dave, as free, like who are the most intriguing names you think they're going to hit the free agent market this upcoming offseason in the CFL? Well, let's let's take a guy from this game that I'd be really interested in seeing, and that's Dalton Schoen. I mean, Dalton Schoen's playing on a rookie contract, and I, I don't know the specific numbers of his deal, but for a guy like him, you know, who is a Kansas State star, but a walk-on at Kansas State, I don't think he got much attention. He might have got a little bit of attention to the National Football League coming out of college, but he certainly wasn't a guy who was, you know, seen as an NFL player. So he's probably playing for about $80,000 Canadian. Okay, the first year in the league, he led the league in touchdowns and receiving yards. And then this year, you know, he's right at the top of the league all season. He gets injured. We still don't know if he's going to play on Sunday. He's not practicing this week. There's a really intriguing one. And, you know, like, they, like you think about it, they got Kenny Lawler on their team right now, who's a great receiver. I mean, you guys know you saw him at Edmonton, but he's making $300,000 this year. How do, you know, so if you got Kenny Lawler, what are you paying Dalton Schoen? So that's the, he, he's the most intriguing, I think, because, again, he's – about 26 years old, right? Maybe might be 27. So you've got a guy 
early in his prime, a guy who's been absolutely healthy his whole career until this last several weeks. He can stretch the field. He can catch balls and get you yards under uh, yak yards underneath. And, and he's a touchdown machine. Uh, that's, that's the one I think that is, that is the most intriguing for me. And another one is, is and this is a, a bit of a lesson here in, in how to manage your career sometimes as a quarterback in the CFL. Think of what Trevor Harris did, right? When he was kind of, you know, lost his gig in Edmonton and he goes to Montreal and then he signs there for like, he signed for like $110,000, you know, and it's just like, hey, I'm going to take a step back. I'm going to take a backup role behind Vernon Adams. I'm just going to kind of catch my breath and try to reset my career. And then the next year, he's making 500000 a year in, in Saskatchewan. Dane Evans is that guy this year, right? Dane Evans was the starter in Hamilton. It didn't go well. Ty Cats trade for Bo Levi Mitchell, and they end up trading Dane Evans to the West Division for a song. And he takes, a, a again, about $110,000 a year contract, somewhere in that range, to play behind Vernon Adams. And Dane Evans played really well in spot duty this year. And I think there's a whole bunch yeah. of teams that are going to want to line up for Dane Evans this offseason because this is a guy who's been a winner. You know, he played well this season. And there's so many teams that would like somebody to come in and maybe challenge their guy. You know, I think that could be Edmonton. I think that could be Calgary. I think Ottawa might look at him in a situation where, again, he could go in there and, and compete with either Dustin Crum or Jeremiah Mazzoli if they bring him back on a, on a reduced deal because of his injury history. All of a sudden, a guy like Dane Evans, an experienced guy who's been a starter in this league, who's still young enough and isn't going to cost you $500,000, um, I think it's a great you know, career strategy that these guys have used. I think you're going to see that play out this offseason. Dave, great stuff, man. Uh, enjoy Grey Cup. Uh, enjoy the spirit of Edmonton because uh, Grey Cup isn't complete unless you've been in there a few times. So uh, have fun. Pace yourself. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me, man. There you go. That is uh, Dave Naylor from uh, TSN. So interesting about the Elks. Uh, yeah, Jones, we thought he was coming back for sure. So uh, he will be. And ownership there would have to be somebody to step up to, to do it. i haven't heard any names I, I know we have people tell you hey do you think the kate's group would uh, i i have to ask him um i know a few years ago when i brought up the subject they're like wow they'd never really looked into it. they didn't think it was really an option but things can change right dude and then you know what's the price point going to be Right there, that's the big one. Like, like anything, now might be the time to buy it. I know people are saying, well, so now the this, the uh, taxpayers are going to sell this at uh, low wall. First of all, did taxpayers ever benefit from the Elks? Like, no, you didn't. Um, now they would have some money left over, and they'd put it back into other funds for sure, and they would help out other programs, specifically junior football and, and different things like that. Fantastic. But let's let's make no mistake. They're community owned, but it wasn't like they do things in the community, but there wasn't like this uh, money that was getting put back all the time and to, to help. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. 
Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Financially for taxpayers, that never happened. Uh, quick break. We'll return when we come back a historic milestone. Anze Kopitar very quietly became only the 19th player in NHL history to have a uh, 1,155 points with the team. He passed Luke Robitaille, second all-time uh, in L.A. Kings scoring history now. But uh, Sidney Crosby, at the rate he's going, Sidney Crosby could pass Gordie Howe for 1,809 points, have the most points with one organization. Kopitar, probably going to end up uh, top 15, uh, top 10 maybe at the rate he's going. So uh, we'll get to all that. And also a 1,000 gamer. Next, the Jason Greger Show presented by PlayAlberta.ca. Pause of Friday continues on the Jason Greger Show on Sports 1440 Live and Orders Nation YouTube. It's always presented by PlayAlberta.ca. If you missed it, look for uh, Connor Brown to return to the lineup tomorrow afternoon for the Edmonton Owners. He'll skate in a line with Connor McDavid and Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Uh, they will face the Tampa Bay Lightning, who were victorious in Chicago last night. Uh, the Orders are, uh, I guess, the the more rested team for this uh, matinee. Tomorrow we had uh, Lightning goaltender Matt Tompkins on in the first hour of the show. Uh, still wasn't sure after they landed if he was going to get the start against his uh, hometown team and mentioned, uh, obviously, he wants to. So we'll find out tomorrow if he's going to get the nod or not. Uh, let's go in the community now. Brought to you by United Cycle. Fourth generation family owned and operated business in the heart of Old Strathcona. They've been supporting hockey and the community for over 95 years. And uh, you can stop in right now and hey, do a little uh, pre-Christmas shopping at United Sport and Cycle. And uh, coming up uh, this weekend, a big milestone for our next guest. He is going to call his 1,000th game as the voice of the Camrose Kodiaks. Tim Ellis joins us. Tim, how you doing, my man? I'm good, Jason. How about yourself? Hey, I'm excellent. A thousand games, man. That's uh, it's quite the it's quite the accomplishment. Well, as I said, it just uh, just shows how old I'm getting and how quickly I'm getting there. So, uh, but it's, uh, no, it'll be fun. I think. Well, I, I would think it would be fun, um, man. You, you, you most play-by-play guys have a pretty good role decks of uh, of players they've seen. Like, there's lots of good AJHL players that have gone on. So, obviously, Kale McCarr would, would be one of the greatest ones lately uh, to come out of the AJ to go to the National Hockey League. But there's obviously been other ones that that you've called. Um, you know, you've called a lot of games in different barns. I guess. Uh, where was your first First game. Uh, first game actually was in uh, Sherwood Park at the uh, Sherwood Park Arena, and it was the uh, the uh, start of the 2007-2008 season. And uh, you mentioned one of the the NHLers, uh, Joe Colburn. I had the the privilege of calling his uh, final season in the AJHL, and he actually scored the first goal, a shorthanded goal. That was uh, that was my first goal call. A- actually, it's a two part answer because that was my first regular game. I actually filled in for the play by play guy the year before in the 06 playoffs when the Kodiaks played. Uh, 
Grand Prairie at the Max McLean Arena. I did it from a scissor lift at one end of the rink. So that was uh, that was my introduction to play-by-play. I thought, uh, well, I don't know. I hope this gets better. It now, did. Now, was, that, was Jonesy the play-by-play guy before you? Yes, he was. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, he. Uh, well, they came into the league in '97, yeah. and they didn't have any play-by-play until uh, 2000, 2001. Their their championship year, and they said, "Well, geez, we got a pretty good team here. Let's go get uh, some play-by-play." So they actually started right here on 1440, which was in Wetaskiwin at that time. And uh, it was uh, Jonesy, yeah, that, that started calling. He, he got all the good uh, championship uh, calls in the RBC Cup. I only got a couple of those. He got about uh, three or four. So uh, he, he beat me to the punch on that one. Yeah, I know. It was great. Actually, uh, uh, we used to do on, uh, when we had AnySportAnyTime.com, I called a game from the old Camrose Arena that uh, still yep. the longest AJHL game in history. It went five overtime periods. And uh, I remember calling that game, and it was just bagged afterwards. And so uh, I love that barn. Like the vantage point of the old one was unbelievable for a play-by-play. <laughs> play guy you were right up at center ice like right above the ice it was awesome yeah yeah you know I, I probably owe you some royalties because i actually have your call in my uh, i'm an audio hog i have your call of that goal by matt mcknight <laughs> sounded quite uh what, what was the word? exasperated or man i'm glad this is over but the team lost it's quite the call i got from that oh geez I might, i'd like to listen to that you might have to send me that i haven't I'll, heard that in a long time i'll have to, i'll have to email that to you oh that'd be great um so you know what you, you travel all around and you know lots of people sometimes are okay you're in the aj and you know a lot of them are looking at the aj as a stepping stone to maybe go to the whl or other levels and uh why were you comfortable staying at the ajhl level well i got started in this uh, pretty late in in my career actually i mean i was uh what 20 years into my uh news career at, at cfcw and and so by the time i took this over it was uh, i'm i'm pretty much settled into what i'm doing here and and the aspirations to move up and, and move a family and, and go somewhere else was not really. I mean, you know, if a, if a position came along and it, and it looked pretty good, a guy might do it. But it's just that that wasn't the reason I uh, I took on this job at the time. I mean, when I came to uh, CFCW in, in the late 80s, and then we took over the rights of the Oilers briefly in the early 90s and got a chance to, uh, you know, talk with Rod Phillips and that. And they, they said at that time, well, geez, you know, hang around. Rod might be retiring. Well, of course, that didn't happen for another uh, 15 years. But anyway, so by the time I, I got this gig, it was it was pretty late into the career, and it's uh, they've treated me so well. It's like, well, let's, let's finish this out. So, Of the 1,000th game, if you had to pick a few most memorable, what would they be <laughs> well I've, I've always said that the most memorable was the 2008 alberta junior hockey league uh, final game seven uh, kodiaks and fort mcmurray uh, kodiaks were up 3-1 in that series lost game five at home lost game six in fort mcmurray had to come home to game seven we're without alan york and other those uh, nhlers and uh, he, he was injured but he came out in game seven and colburn scored in that goal there was like i don't know 32 3300 fans i think in the new and canna arena which had just opened that season and the atmosphere was unbelievable. So that definitely was one. Um, and then uh, also that year in Cornwall, Ontario, at the RBC Cup in the final against uh, Humboldt. And the Kodiaks lost one nothing. And, and Joe Colburn, again, uh, should have had a goal, but somehow Taylor Nelson stopped it. I think that's maybe one of the only times I had to stop a goal call halfway through one. And, and that one really sticks out. And there's, there's some other ones. Uh, one in... Uh, 
in Okotoks in the 2011 playoff run, uh, game five there, I believe it was, Dalen Flett made an unbelievable save in overtime, yep. and John Lidget scored the game winner. And so there, there's just a few of them, a couple in Brooks that year in 2011 as well. There, there's a bunch, but those uh, those definitely come to mind. Okay. Um, you look at kind of how the league's evolved. So you've been calling this, was, I think, year 17, if my math is correct, uh, uh, for, yes. for you calling games. And, you know, like 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 any sport, uh, you know, the, the league has changed. It's obviously grown to a few extra teams. Are Which arenas outside of Camrose are your favorite to broadcast from? Well, uh, Grand Prairie, that, uh, that you know, that arena built for the Canada Games there years ago is a very nice spot if uh, if they'll let us up in the press box, which I think we're back here again this year. But that's a, that's a, a great place to call a game from. It, it's up high. It's at center ice. You get to, you get to see everything. So that's that's a, a great game, a great uh, place to call from. Um, you know, Brooks used to be, but now we're kind of in the corner there. But I mean, that's a nice arena. You get to you get to see from there. But if you're at, at Center Ice in the press box there, that's uh, obviously a, a good place to, to call a game from. And, and actually, maybe a surprising one really is is Canmore. We were just there this past weekend, and, and you're right at the top of the seats. Uh, you know, they only have the seats on the one side, but you're kind of right in the fans. You get lots of atmosphere from both sides. There's usually a, a bunch of Kodiak fans in the building because the, the billets will come down, the parents will come down for the weekend or whatever, okay. and you're, you're right in the middle of the action. So that's uh, that's kind of one of my, my quaint favorites, too. Tim Ellis joins us. Uh, he'll be calling his 1,000th game this weekend for the Camrose uh, Kodiaks in the Alberta Junior Hockey League. Um, uh, just give me your, your overall perspective of, of how the uh, the league is going this year. You know, a new format with, with one division and everybody's in the, uh, the, the, the whole division. So it makes it uh, a little interesting to uh, come playoff time and such. Uh, it's early on, but uh, what do you think of the change? Do you prefer it or do you prefer two divisions? Well, I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a bit of a traditionalist. I've been at this uh, for a long time, so I, I kind of, I think, I prefer the two divisions. Uh, you really got a rivalry going. I mean, for instance, last night uh, played the Dragons for the first time this season. Hadn't seen them until now. We don't see Okotoks till December, I think it is. So you just kind of miss, I think, those South Division rivalries. And of course, I mean, it doesn't really matter in Camrose because travel is really not an issue for for us in the middle of the province, but. You know, a, a little more travel. Um, it just it just seems kind of odd, I guess, after so many years of, of having the divisions. And uh, I know they're going to be having their semi-annual meetings coming up here in a week or so. I'm sure it's going to be a lot of discussion over this new schedule and how it's affecting teams with travel and yeah. gates and dates. And so I think they've got a lot to hash out. I don't know if they'll do much at these meetings, but I think next summer in, in the annual meetings uh, come June, I think there's going to be a lots of discussion and it's going to be interesting to see whether they continue this way or if this was maybe a, a one-year uh, experiment and might go off the rails. It'll be, uh, it'll be fun to watch. Interesting. Well, Tim, uh, enjoy Game 1000. I will do that. Thank you. That's uh, Tim Ellis, voice of the Camrose Kodiak. 1,000 games on 17 years being the uh, voice of the Kodiak. It's good for him. It's great. So you know what leagues like that you need lots of guys like that that are just heavily invested in the league they know the insides and out of the league it makes for a better broadcast and uh, really allows the fans of those teams to to have a good understanding of of what's going on and uh, and who's involved it's great 358 uh, when we return uh, Wanya Gretz will join us we have uh, help your neighbor your final chance to qualify it's positive friday this could really be a positive friday for you cuz you could qualify to win 
a brand new furnace for someone in your inner circle or just a co-worker or someone else. So that's coming up in the uh, next hour. But first, a comment on a Sports 1440 update brought to you by Fountain Tire. The Road Ready Sale event is on right now. Up to $225 off select tires and an additional $50 off when you book any service through until December 16th. Only at FountainTire.com. Some restrictions apply. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 